0: Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Lisa. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the United States of America. Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to design the perfect mattress. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody through their 110 program. They donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. Hurry, the Lisa July 4th mattress sale won't last long. Get $160, dollars one off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash fc that's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash fc for $160 off Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Lids. Locker room by Lids at Macy's. It's like having a Lids store in the middle of a Macy's. Perfect shopping experience is to outfit the entire family for your favorite sports team headwear and apparel. Locker room by Lids at Macy's is your soccer and international football headquarters for jerseys, apparel, and more. The global sporting event of the year is upon us. So, represent your country and style at locker room by Lids at Macy's. Nike jerseys for Brazil and Portugal, Adidas jerseys for Mexico, Argentina, and Germany are all available. Macy's.com slash Lids is your one stop to represent your team and your style for the largest sporting event in the world. Uh, make sure you're reading the ringer.com for all our World Cup coverage. Ryan will likely be writing about his favorite Everton and Manchester United players. For Thursday, uh, no, well, definitely have some content up about this England match, the penalty shootout between England and Colombia and all the games coming on Friday and Saturday. And while I have you here, make sure you're listening to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. He's been doing a lot of stuff on the World Cup, and I'm sure he's going to be getting into all sorts of football stuff pretty soon. That's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, now for Ringer FC. Take it Hello and welcome to Ringer FC. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. I'm joined by Ryan O'Hanlon, lifelong Everton fan, and Micah Peters. Thank God for Marcus Rashford. <laughs> if you feel the static in my voice, a little bit of vocal fry. it's because I've been screaming for about 20 minutes. What a match, man. I mean, if you don't like Columbia or England, that probably was an exercise an absolute like athletic torture, but if you cared about either side, oh my god, the drama, the the chippiness, the fouling, the refereeing, the are they going to make it standing up to the end? And then England winning on penalty kicks four three after one one in extra time to go through to the quarterfinals where they will face Sweden. Uh, there's so many different things we can talk about, Ryan. But I think we were as we were walking, the thing that we were saying to each other is, and and we usually don't say things like this. What a colossal performance by Harry Kane.
1: He's just a beast. I mean, he... I saw a stat during the game that Columbia had committed like 18% of their fouls at this World Cup on Harry Kane in this game. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, he didn't... He had that one header um, in the first half. Just incredible that he even almost got that on goal. He had the penalty to put them ahead. But this game, his just hold-up play was... Insane. And he was just getting... He was playing in the number 10 role for some of it. Getting gang-tackled by (laughs) Yerry Mina and Davinson Sanchez all game long. Getting just hacked to hell. And just, you know, I think Harry Kane does get a lot of stick as being just a goal scorer and just someone who wants to score goals, which he definitely only wants to score goals. But just the, the physical effort he put in today was, I mean... Hats I mean, off to him. There's also something that he said for scoring goals. I mean, yeah. <laughs> honestly. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, he basically he does what he needs to do. He scored that penalty. He yeah. drew the penalty, scored the penalty, and scored the, in the penalty shootout. And Micah, it showed it's a young England team. I think in some ways, people were probably giving them the slack to have an experimental, like you know, get your feet wet in this World Cup, mm-hmm. and then maybe make a run at the Euros in in two years, but. They're one of the best teams remaining and they might be the best team on that side of the bracket.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean like we were talking about how just the I don't know, the coolest and like the collection of the young players that stepped up to take the PKs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, like, there's. It's weird that no
0: Liverpool players took a photo. None crazy. of them, none of them at all, really. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you've thought
2: about it, just really hard.
0: Well, definitely not a guy who wears an armband. Yeah. <laughs> no.
2: Is that why he didn't? Is that why he didn't make his PK because he wasn't wearing an armband? W- what are you talking about? <laughs> 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 he didn't make his penalty he because, because about he got his <laughs> in the 20th minute. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, guys, let's not talk about Jordan Henderson being. So, have you been? We should just. The next time somebody says something about somebody being soft and they get headbutted in the chin, maybe they should just be headbutted in the chin. So I there's agree.
0: a lot of stuff, like, I think over the last few days we've seen an increase in maybe the milking of injury time and the milking of, like, oh, sure. I got stepped on, like, Neymar thing being the biggest deal against Mexico. Have you, either of you guys ever gotten headbutted in the chin like that? Yes. How how does it feel? It's like, you know, on the times that you don't bite your tongue and the times <laughs> that you do. <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean, because it's not fun either time, right? So that it was
0: fucking <laughs> hurts. Yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> it, was the, it was the that was the probably the most noticeable thing of uh, Colombia's game plan, which was apparently to completely destroy the football aspect of this match, make it into a street fight, and play for a mistake on England's part. Yeah, which is going what happened.
2: from <laughs> like the the free flowing, you know, like football that everybody was dazzled by when they were playing, like say Poland or maybe even Japan for yeah. spurts. And then this game, they were just like, you know what, we're MMA fighters now. So what's actually. up with that?
1: I think it was them realizing that the best player on their team wasn't playing, so they're playing against a better team, hack the fuck out of them, and hope you just nick a goal on a set piece or a lucky play, which is essentially what happened. I mean, they were England, I think, deserved to win the game, it felt like. Um, Partially because they were just a more proactive participant in what was happening, rather than trying to just destroy the sport. Well, they're basically roots. <laughs> trying to make
0: the, the the referee make a decision, right? Yeah. Like, so right, Mark exactly. Geiger was essentially put in a position where he was either going to have to send off a team, a, a player from Colombia, early on, or he was going to have to he and he was losing control of the game at certain points, especially during the penalty kick from Kane. It was clear that he was about to lose control of the game, and we say that lightly, but it just felt like that he was getting surrounded by the Columbia players. There was pushing and shoving going on between Columbia and England players. Yeah, I cannot believe nobody got sent off.
1: It's absurd. There were six six yellows for Columbia. I mean, it's just—they replaced James Rodriguez with, like, a like defensive-minded midfielder, which just— that shows you. What but I think what annoyed me game. about
0: that was just because James was out doesn't mean the rest of the team forgot how to play football. They still had Juan Quintero out there. They still had Quadr- Quadrado out there. They still had Falcao out there. Mina and Sanchez are both ball-playing center backs. They had a technically proficient team, and they decided— to see if they could wait England out, and they, it basically worked. I mean, they did get the, the equalizer in the dying minutes of regular time. <laughs> I yeah, said, and a
2: true tribute to Sergio Ramos, I said before it <laughs> happened that Yeremina was either going to score a goal or get a, or get sent off. In yeah, the, in that in that uh, last uh, quarter, game.
1: it did work though, because like the penalty was by far England's best chance. Right? Yeah. I mean, they were. P- pushing on the pressure but they didn't really have any clear-cut opportunities other than that. Um and I mean I'd I'd be I'd be interested to see someone go back and figure out how much of the game was actually played. Yeah, like, I mean, I, it feels like they were playing for maybe 30 minutes of the mm-hmm. 90 minutes which when you're the worst team which Colombia was without Hamas especially that's kind of what you want.
0: Do so you think if we saw Hamas out there we would have seen a different Colombia? We would have been attacking more on the front. 100%. Play. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. I would have liked to have seen that match, but I'll take the one that we got. Um, going forward, a match like this, is this, did did England show you something that makes you think that they can last beyond the quarterfinals, or is this about as good as they can be? Were you disappointed that they didn't score any from open play, and that they weren't able to have an answer for a team that was trying to destroy the game? I mean, it's really tough to
1: have an answer for a team trying to destroy the game, um, especially if the ref doesn't send anyone off. I'm not even saying that he should, but, like, if no one's no one gets a red card, the, the fouls just keep coming, right? I think it still is a little concerning that England has barely created anything yeah. um, from open play. It might not matter, though. I, they should beat Sweden. They're going to be favored against Sweden. I think they'll be favored against whoever they play in the semis if they beat Sweden, and then after that, it's like, who cares if you can't create from open play against Brazil? If you can score off two corners, you win the World Cup.
0: yeah. Micah, uh give me some snap winners and losers from this England team or from the match itself, but specifically from the England team, because there were a lot of guys who were villains that became heroes. I'm thinking specifically of Eric Dyer. Uh right. Eric Dyer had that
2: uh the like right at the end of the second period of extra time, wide open header, like head would have had time to, you know, like had time to 30 minutes in a diagram to to pick out the corner time, no of the But, you know, like blazes it over, blazes the header over, and then converts the last PK. Like when he stepped up the PK, I was generally just like, I was just like, yes, yes. (laughs) This is is exactly what you want at the end of this. (laughs) Um, uh, But I mean, like then converted his penalty. Uh, I think that is the biggest uh, goat that turned into a hero.
0: Yeah. Any other winners and losers
1: from the match? Would you say Sterling's a loser for not. Fighting his manager and staying on the field so he could take a penalty for his country. Well, I, <laughs> that would have been yeah, the, but he's a
0: winner for time wasting by shaking the hand of every single England player. Every
1: also, single England player walking around. And, and on sh- top of that, shout out to him for not diving when Colombia's one of their assistants just shoulder barged him in the chest when he was yeah, walking oh, yeah. off the field. I yeah, mean, on
2: then top. on top of that, also just shout out to him for not just trying to. I, I, I mean, like Yeri Vina was either like pulling his shorts or
0: riding ju- or
2: jumping on his back for most of the game Gary um, yeah, I
0: Mina mean, uh, he's at Barcelona now if he if he wasn't he would be. You know what I mean? Like, he basically earned himself a spot in a top eight European club this in this World Cup.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, like, he's tied for fourth in the golden boot race. Also, <laughs> like, also, he's the most, he's the defender with the most goals since literally 1966 World And he's Cup. the
1: size of a
0: Nissan Pathfinder. Yes. Yeah. Three, three times as many goals as Messi. <laughs> uh, we talked about England's next match being against Sweden. Uh, they played Switzerland earlier in the morning and won 1-0. Uh, yes. Ryan what did you think of Sweden's performance because I know that you're getting a little high on these guys I think the way that you said one nothing as if
1: there was a question mark behind it uh, is an accurate summation of this game so S- Sweden they're one of the few teams left that I feel like just knows what they are and that's essentially like uh, bargain bin Uruguay and mm-hmm. that they're just super solid defensively they let the other team have the ball don't let anyone into the box and then whenever they attack the defense is just wide open because everyone's pushing numbers forward and that's what happened today. Switzerland had the overwhelming amount of possess- possession. I think they only had one shot on target despite like something upwards of 60% possession and it's just it just works and it's you know at this point they've knocked out the Netherlands World Cup qualifying, knocked out Italy, Germany's gone and now Switzerland. Yeah. So it's like if they're good enough they're good enough um and they're going to make England probably have to create from open play, and England's going to be open at the back against the just extremely slow-motion Swedish counterattacks that are somehow still effective. But, I mean, at this point, like a team that just knows what they're doing and doesn't give up good chances has a chance to win it all.
0: Would you expect the same amount of gamesmanship from Sweden that we saw from (laughs) Colombia? I'm just curious. I just want to emotionally prepare myself
1: for this. No, I I think the penalty spot will uh, not be... Five feet below the ground <laughs> after the game ends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was lo- that was really really amazing. Was it Mariko who did that? Yep, uh, while he was yeah. arguing with the the ref, he before was digging out down <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you gotta be careful. That's how John John Terry wound up slipping and falling. <laughs> uh, one of the best things ever. Micah, uh, did you see anything from the Sweden team that made you think that they are serious contenders for the World Cup?
2: I mean. Other than defensive solidity, which I think is like it can't be discounted in the knockout round. I mean, like if you have the thing with where you can frustrate a, you can frustrate another team into taking shots from forever away, and then you can break them open with a counterattack, that's basically all that you need. Regardless of the fact that it isn't exactly exciting to watch and they scored off of a deflected goal, it's still 1-0 and they're on to the next round.
0: That's the thing. I mean, aside from uh, Belgium versus Japan, we sort of have to adjust our expectations for what we're seeing now because in the group stages, you have this a little bit more of a sample size football. It's Mm -hmm. it's like you get to see teams actually play with the knowledge that they'll play again. Yeah, you can work through your problems. And they work through their problems basically the margin for error in a knockout margin for error in a knockout game is zero so people are going to r- rather they would rather play cautiously well, and cynically to, admit, to guarantee that they'll at least be in shouting distance of going through then oh, we played our game and we yeah.
2: lost. Yeah, I mean, like, it was Lucas Fabianski after the the Colombia poland game was talking about how, was basically saying exactly that. It's just like, it's very touch and go for the opening exchanges of the game. It's very even. And then one one team scores, it
1: opens up one way or the other. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the France-Argentina game just totally skewed our idea of what a knockout exactly. game usually <laughs> exactly. is. Exactly.
0: <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll get back and talk a little bit about France and Uruguay and the other games coming up on Friday and Saturday. Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top rated hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you actually want to stay at, so there's no more scrolling through endless lists of choices. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last minute bookings you can book in advance, perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. Hotel Tonight is perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more, and it's so easy to use. You book hotels in 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. There's even the HT Perks program where the more you book, the better the deals get. I've been using Hotel Tonight for almost two years now, and I use it... Not only to book hotels where I'm already going, but to see where I might want to go. You can check out Hotel Tonight, and they, they'll they list you a bunch of different deals in different spots. And you can kind of just punch in, like, I want to go to the beach, I want to go to the desert, whatever. You can just see what hotels are available, and that will lead you to your destination. It's pretty awesome. Get the Hotel Tonight app now and start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Lids. Locker room by Lids at Macy's. It's like having a lid store right in the middle of a Macy's. It's the perfect shopping experience to outfit the entire family for your favorite sports team headwear and apparel. Locker Room by Lids at Macy's is your soccer and international football headquarters for jerseys, apparel, and more. The global sporting event of the year is upon us and you can represent your country and style at Locker Room by Lids at Macy's. Nike jerseys for Brazil and Portugal. Adidas jerseys for Mexico, Argentina, and Germany all available at Locker Room by Lids at Macy's. You can still support Team USA and represent your USA fandom with the Nike National Team jersey along with several USA shirts, hats, and accessories. Macy's.com slash Lids is your one stop to represent your team and your style for the largest sporting event in the world. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the games we have coming up because we won't be around tomorrow for July 4th. And then I think you guys are recording a podcast on Friday for when the matches yes. come back. Yeah. So on Friday, we have Uruguay-France uh, at 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. So that should be a really interesting game. I've heard it described. Uh, Antoine Griezmann said it was going to be like playing against Atletico Madrid because of the center-back pairing for Uruguay is the center-back pairing for Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid is notoriously one of the most physical most st- stingy defenses in Europe. They've been to deep into the Champions League multiple times. They won the La Liga a couple years ago. Um, France is riding high after their their victory over Argentina. Mm-hmm. Do they have the mental discipline? Is not really what I want to say, but do they have the discipline to stay in their game and keep playing it even against what will likely be a very frustrating Uruguay team? I feel like. If we're gonna get a zero
1: zero game that goes to penalties, this is it. Yeah. Like Mbappe is not dribbling sixty yards up the field on his own against Uruguay. He's either gonna get slide tackled and, and like line. probably or, miss the rest of the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> or there's gonna be six guys in front of him that are just like, this is not happening, yeah, buddy. Yeah. And without that, I don't kn- you know, France Suarez
0: is gonna burst through his stomach like Quano <laughs> from total <his> recall.
1: <laughs> um but, you know, without that, I don't know how France opens it up, just because they are an inherently conservative team, much to the frustration of some people that want them to just play on the counter and play all of their fast guys. Um, so it's... I, I Again, I think the Argentina game was like a an outlier, where Argentina just was such a shit show that, like, any result related to Argentina skews your perception of the other team that's on the other side <laughs> of the field. Um And I think this is just going to be a pretty kind of tentative. Both teams maybe staring at the ball for a hundred twenty minutes game, but you know, it's France just has more players than Uruguay has to make decisive uh, things happen. Like if Uruguay sits back,
2: moments of magic that turn the game. Yeah, it's
1: it's like Uruguay sits back. Pogba gets on the ball for from twenty five yards out. He lets one rip. Uruguay is fine with that, but it's also Pogba shooting as opposed to like Lucas Torreira or whoever. I mean, Lucas Torreira's actually got a a nice little right foot on him.
0: Yeah, I I think that I'm actually a little bit higher on Uruguay to make this a game and to play a little bit, especially after their last match, just because I think Cavani and Suarez are just as dangerous on the break as anybody on France's, as Mbappe is. And Cavani, if Cavani is in the zone right now, and I don't know how streaky you'd want to say Cavani is, but he seems like he is is the tip of the spear right now, and Suarez is playing more of a setup role. I think that's like pretty exciting for that team.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, you can't bet against like two of the best strikers in the world. Yeah, but it's just kind of like there's two of them, and then like France has an entire front six of people that yeah. could do
0: those kinds of things. All right, I'm gonna, I'm I'm tipping Uruguay for this game. I think if I had to pick, I would pick Uruguay, too.
2: Hmm. No, I'm just going to pick France just <laughs> Go to be ahead. Go ahead. Let's talk
0: <laughs> yeah. about Brazil-Belgium, because this one, hopefully, will be a little bit more open. If we're scared about France-Uruguay being a 0-0, 1-2-1, something like that, a 2-1 would be great. If we're, we're worried about it, going to penalties, essentially. Brazil-Belgium has the promise to be one of the most exciting games of the World Cup.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's just... well. I, mm. I, I think is that like it's kind of like replace all of the Japanese players <laughs> that were giving like
1: Carrasco
2: <laughs> and Dietrich Boyana problems. Yeah, with you know like some of like I'm um, Gabriel Jesus and Neymar and like Coutinho <laughs> and <laughs> Coutinho and, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. like I mean William, yeah. I'm I'm thinking that Brazil is going to beat the brakes off of Belgium.
1: Yeah, it's. The, if I when I look at this game as rationally as I can, it's just like, okay, so Belgium essentially doesn't have a midfield. Brazil is going to have Fernandinho, Paulinho, and Coutinho, who's just going to fucking blow that midfield apart. And then Brazil, Belgium doesn't have really any defensive presence on the right or left flank. And <laughs> Neymar, Willian, Douglas Costa, Marcelo will both be out there. Um, this and is going to
0: be a bloodbath.
1: But the other thing, and Brazil is. They have the best defense, basically, in the world, I think. They've given up eight goals since Chiche became manager in 2016. <laughs> you know, they've conceded it's, one goal in the World Cup, and it was on a foul against Switzerland. <laughs> it, it's honestly so like, just...
2: It, the thing is that, like, they just weren't as good as they, we thought they looked on paper at the beginning of the tournament, and I think that that we have been kind of underselling them since.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, it's, you know, I don't want to... I would never say that it's 100% Brazil is definitely going to win because Belgium has these incredible individual players, but the shape of this game is just like, it's like someone is putting like a, You know, a porcelain teacup like on a batting tee, and Marcelo's gonna just come in and (laughs) fucking scissor kick it off.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, that sounds like you guys are tipping Brazil to win. Uh, I have to go with uh, the Lions in against Sweden, so I'm gonna tip England over Sweden. We've talked a little bit about that. Do you guys have a prediction for that match?
2: Hmm, No. I mean, like, I'm calling 1 0 either way, but I'm not entirely sure which way I'm tipping right now.
0: You know what? I think Sweden's going to win. Oh, <laughs> sorry. On. All right, and then for Russia-Croatia, which is probably the most curious match that we've got left. Uh, <laughs> curious. That curious is doing a lot of weight, is, yes. is holding a lot of weight. There. So Russia has gotten farther than I think anybody thought they would. I think everybody thought they would get out of the group, but nobody thought they would beat Spain. Uh, Croatia is now kind of in the driver's seat a little bit. I think mm. that they would probably be on merit, considered the favorites for that side of the bracket because the winner of Russia-Croatia will play the winner of England-Sweden. Ryan, I'm going to start with you because I know that you've been a little bit more lukewarm about this Croatia team. Uh, After that last game, how are you feeling about them? Not much better. I think they maybe slightly outplayed
1: Denmark in that game, but not, not to the degree that you would want them to given the players that they have. I think my... My issue with Croatia is that they have Modric, um, Rakitic, Brozovic, uh Kovacic from Real Madrid. They have the best midfield probably left in the tournament. But they just always shuffle the ball out wide and just cross it into the box, which Mandzukic is good in the air. But the whole point of having world-class passing midfielders is that they can create higher quality mm-hmm. chances than just a whips ball into the box from Ante Rebic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think that they're just not optimizing the way that they play, but, like, I don't know if anyone is at this yeah, point. that's and the thing. they're playing Russia, which...
0: What do you think is the reason why? <laughs> it, do you think it's a challenge because we know so much about what good soccer is and, like, wh- how you produce goals and how you win games, and it feels like the international game is still struggling to catch up with it?
2: I think is. I mean, you... Well, it's that, and also... I, you can't discount the fact that these people don't play together all of the time. So yeah. So it's just kind of like you default to what you know. Sure. Yep. Which I guess would be, you know, shuffling it out wide to Ante Ravish and having him whack across <laughs> in the To Zubich. nobody. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's easier to do that for sure. But I think... There's a virtue in playing for the higher degree of difficulty when you have players like Modric and Rakitic. Because what's the point of having them?
0: If I you know. Just, yeah. Well, for Croatia's sake, I hope that they, they play a more open game against Russia. Because if they get down to making it up to the refs in this game, <laughs> <laughs> this, this game, we're not playing this game in Zagreb. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're not playing this game in Split.
1: Uh, man, sh- what should we say about Russia? I mean... What do you mean? Were you worried? No, just like...
0: <laughs> were the FSBs coming through the door? <laughs> Russia's like,
1: the team sucks, yeah, is what yeah, I so They've gotten lucky. <laughs> <laughs> They've scored nine of the 12 shots that have been on target, which is just insane. And I guess could keep happening at this point, but I'd bet on it not continuing to happen.
2: Well, they only have to be lucky for a couple more games. That's so. <laughs> <Less> the <than> thing.
1: <laughs> Are you ready to
0: crown them? <laughs> crown them. Um, all right, I, I think we're all we all think Croatia will go through... Is there anything you want to say about Spain? I know you guys have probably talked about this, but like in retrospect, any of the the titans that we've seen go home already that you feel like we've learned something from in terms of Spain's exit, Germany's exit that you now see that these teams that are still there have done differently from these past teams. Any lessons that they feel like you feel like they've learned that these countries can learn from the teams that are still there or do you feel like we're in luck town now?
1: Uh I think it's a combo of both. I think Spain should have beaten Russia still, despite the kind of uh, just chicanery. Non. <laughs> yeah, chicanery and just uh, neutered possession that they had the entire yeah. game. I think a, a one of the. thousand passes. Yeah, a thousand passes. Like it's still. Are you kidding absurd. me? <laughs> I think the two lessons I'd take from Spain and Germany are. It's actually really hard to possess the ball for as much as those teams did without opening yourself up. I think Germany got opened up way more than Spain did. Um, But we're kind of seeing the counterattacking teams overcome the possession-based teams in this World Cup. I think England and Belgium are the only two that had the greater share of the possession that won. The other six all had less possession, even Brazil. And then I think the other lesson is, you know, you can see with England... They just have a new generation, and Spain and Germany—it's the same players yeah. in 2010, yeah. and those guys are all awesome. But maybe in the the older legs at the end of a club season are affected more by it. You maybe know? there's
0: just a cynicism that comes with playing in multiple World Cups and European Championships, where you just started. There's got to be. Treat there's got to be cynicism, some there's hunger. There's got to be some like
1: after you've won a World Cup, it must be the most incredible feeling, and then like. You've done it already. Also so don't like, fire your manager the day before. Well, yeah, that's the, the big yeah, thing with Spain. That's probably uh, the biggest thing. I think Spain, takeaway. Spain's still here if Julian Lopetegui is still the manager. Yes, I would, most I of the Spanish players sort of agree with you.
2: Mm. Mike, anything for you? No, not really. I mean, like, it's just kind of don't leave Leroy Sane at home, maybe. I mean, like, it's, it's, yeah, but like, you know, jokes aside, it, it honestly is better to play your young players. And also, yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to, keep possession in the way that Spain did and not have something to stretch the... You know, like, anything... No incisive point of attack, really.
0: Yeah. Then... Yeah. I think just, any of the teams... I mean, this would be the same. It's hindsight's twenty twenty, but Germany would have probably liked to have had Leroy on the team. Spain would have probably liked to have had Alvaro Morata on the mm-hmm. team. I mean, I think that everybody's going to have regrets going home yeah. no matter yeah. what happened. Sh- should have maybe played uh, the should best midfielder maybe in Should have maybe played Thiago.
2: The, the, and most yeah. Important yeah. the and have thing is good. that, like, you, you can't not start any Iniesta in the group stage, but there's no reason for it past that.
1: Yeah, it's, I think one thing I'll add is that Germany played a possession style without any defensive midfield, and you saw what happened when they lost the ball. Spain played Koke and Busquets against Russia, so Russia created nothing against them, but they also had no incisiveness to forward. their attack. Yeah. So either way of maintaining that much possession... Almost as like guaranteeing that you're gonna get bit in the ass. Well at least they had cocaine
0: for penalty kicks, so that helped <laughs> uh, yeah. all right, so Ryan Mike Ryan and Micah and Donnie will be with you on Friday for uh the matches that day, and then we'll be back with you uh then following week to talk about what will then be the semifinals, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening to Ringer F C mm-hmm. Today's episode of The Ringer FC was brought to you by Lisa. Celebrate July 4th with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the USA. Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to design the perfect mattress. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. Hurry, the Lisa's July 4th mattress sale won't last long. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC. That's L E E S A dot com slash FC for $160 off.